All right, we got a couple authors sitting around chopping it up, talking with one another. I'm Jude Angelini, and Luke Davies is across from me. Hey, Jude, how you doing? Uh, I'm awesome. You sent me candy. I started reading some of it, and it is right. <laughs> it's right up my alley, man. I've, yeah. I'm really, I've really dug what I read. Yeah, it seems like mysterious forces have put us here together today, but I'm a big. Uh, it's a mutual love fest. I love Hummingbird so much, man. It's a beautiful book. It's like. Uh, I love your sort of deadpan brutalist style. It's really dark. It's really funny. I copied off of Russians. <laughs> who, I, do you, who do you like? I don't even know any of them, but I just <laughs> my sister sent me like a, my sister sent me a book of Russian short stories, and they were just so matter of fact about the most grim shit ever. Yeah, and I and I really respected that. I really they allowed you to feel they allowed you to feel however you wanted about that action. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, you do it really elegantly. It's like an elegant deadpan kind of poetry. I really responded to it. I guess that's why the powers that be put us together because I guess my book Candy which yes. came out a long time ago now is has some affinities well, it, with that. Was it made into a movie? Yeah, yeah, it was like the second or third last movie that Heath Ledger made. Bless well, his heart. Uh in the the it's, there's, there's a lot of drugs in the in in the book. Yeah, there's a lot of drugs in the movie, too. That's what I was going to say. Was that kind of crazy to see, you know, here's Heath Ledger. He, like... Yeah, that was... Uh, you, you know, he's playing this part, and then he ends up overdosing. Yeah, that was a tragic irony, I tell you. I mean, uh, you know, I, I agree. I believe what the coroner said, which was that that was an accidental death. But I agree it too. wasn't accidental in the sense that... I guess Heath was having his struggles. Right. And it wouldn't have happened if he wasn't going through this this kind of struggle. But yeah, that was a that's a little cult film. Some some in some ways because of Heath's presence in the film. Yeah, it's a dark little Aussie drug film that we made for way back then for like six million dollars, and it it travels well. It, it's, What's the art like? To explain to me the the Australian drug scene because you guys are an island. You're far away from fucking everything. So I imagine like I was talking to somebody. He was like Coke is three hundred a gram out there. Like he came out here and he was. He was buying all. I, I was talking to this Australian dude. He was buying all the Coke because it felt like it was on sale. Like, felt like he was at the dollar store. Yeah. yeah. Uh, listen, it's a long time since I was in that scene in Australia, but you know, it, it and and so I can't speak to sort of market value of things right. these days. Plus, I've lived in LA for ten years now. But right. Uh, if you're an addict, anywhere you go, you'll find that world, and that world exists in Australia, and, and the world that I was writing about in the novel Candy, that's in the film Candy. Was that part of what you were going through? Yeah, Candy's pretty soon as typical first novel, thinly veiled, semi autobiographical. Right. I wanted to ask you some of those questions. I kind of assume that a lot of the stuff in your beautiful book is real. Oh, it's all true. Like yeah. every, it's all it's autobiographical. Yeah, it's yeah. like it's all true. That's why some of the stories end dumb. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like some sometimes they don't end that fucking awesome. You just like No, I love the way they end uh sort of like they end on a on a minor note, not a major note, you know? Yeah. You don't have the big drum roll at the end, you just bang you fall off the cliff it's really effective but yeah that world it's there in australia and uh that what i tried to express show in what you know candy was about a kind of darkness yeah that was my real world for a long time and uh and the film i guess shows that too when you when you came to america did you had you already kicked everything or? yeah 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 i was um i was like uh more than i was like 15 years or more sort of in good shape by the time I came here. I mean, I'd come here a couple of times earlier, but I never came here loaded. Uh, I 
I know this is gonna sound crazy, but like, what do you do for fun? Like, people are like, "Why don't you sober up?" I'm like, I don't know, dude. Like, that shit looks <laughs> fucking. That sounds All awful. All I've got is my experience to go by, man, yeah. and it's 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 been for me my experience only. Uh, everything's more intense and everything's more fun. Yeah, you know, I because the problem is that my behavior was so compulsive and uh you know my my i could never reach the the thing that i wanted to reach and so my experience of the real darkest pit of addiction was just this experience of resentment hatred of the entire world for not giving me for getting in the way of of what i needed and burning dissatisfaction that i could never get to that place the second i got that little bit of paradise. So I was right. always anxious about the next moment. You liked the dope. You was a you like heroin. Heroin was my thing. I mean, I was pretty. Was, I liked a lot of drugs, but yeah, it was heroin was the one I liked. Is that because you guys were so close to Asia? Is that is that why heroin was a bit easy, easier? Yeah, we did have. There was good. I mean, it was yeah. The what yeah. is it? The the uh, the Thai white and all of that. Yeah, what's it, that thing? The triangle, the golden triangle. That's it. I don't know. We were close I'm, to that. I'm waiting for you. Yeah, it's the golden triangle. <laughs> the golden triangle is an area in Thailand, Burma, where a lot of the pure, the good heroin came from. But I don't know. I was a shit kicker. You know, I was like a street rat. I was down the end where I was just trying to survive each day and. And a lot of, and I wasn't up there with the I wasn't using the pure stuff, I don't think. No, I'm sure your shit was <laughs> ran across, stepped on, <laughs> fucking drop kick. Yeah. Had the whole had the whole goddamn nine. Yeah. I like the the your intro story, like the coming into candy, uh it like it just it just starts right off where it, and it rings true because I know the, I know these dudes uh, where you're like trying to get a mm. like anytime you're a middleman you're trying you're you're getting a little bit you're taking your cut and yeah. like you, you uh, your character yeah uh, tried to get over on on you guys are copping dope tried to get over on the homies copping dope yeah. and it all blew up in your everything went face. wrong that was a true story like yours that I was, was gonna one of ask. Those- yeah. That was one of those things where I just tr- translated what actually happened into the into the novel. That was a horrible night. I did the wrong thing and uh, <laughs> tried to do my own little rip off, and then the bad guys beat me up, and it was yeah. it was all bad. <laughs> How, yeah, let me ask you this: like, I know a lot of cats that are like ex junkies, and it's it's um, are they, they just seem less happy now? Like, do. do is happiness depleted? Do you, do you feel less happy now than you were pre-dope? Wow, man, I wouldn't I wouldn't be doing it if I was less happy. Word. I'm so much more. Listen, you know, maybe it's like a really Catholic thing. Maybe it's like I finally got to this point where I had to stop heroin because I was going to die. And maybe at like some kind of metaphorical, mythological level, it's right. like there's the Garden of Eden. Yeah. And God, by the way, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in God. But God says to me, here's the garden now. You can have anything you want but you cannot eat the fruit from that tree. Yeah. And I've gone, ah, fuck. Okay, okay, yeah. I accept the terms, you know, the yeah. terms. But the thing that happened to me is, yeah, my, I would have to describe my life, my sense of existence of being in my body and my reality and my consciousness as being way more exquisite for all these years than it was through that fucking struggle, you know? It was just endless struggle. So, yeah, answer to your question is... Happiness, yeah. But, you know, I think there's a bigger... This sort of uh, self-help industry is all to do with happiness. I don't think happiness is the thing 
that matters. I think it's um, I think acceptance is what matters. And when you're uh, accepting the good things and the bad things, that's its own form of happiness. That's kind of way more rich than. Is it like self acceptance too? Is that it or or? Yeah, self acceptance. There's a moment. There's a great moment in in your book. I wonder if I can remember where it is where you talk about. Uh, it's kind of like to me that. It's this beautiful moment late in the book where it seems to me that what you're talking about is compulsive behavior as a form of evasion. Yeah. Evasion from what? Well, I don't mm. know. Self-hatred. I mean, so, yeah. some kind of self-loathing was what I was self-medicating yeah. for all those years of taking drugs. Yeah. And there's that line that you you write, life would be a lot easier if I could stand my own company. Yeah. You know? I, I really, it, it jumped out at me, that line, because it just was one of those moments where I thought, oh, I know this guy. I know what he's talking about. I know the struggle that he's talking about, but I. But you, you know, my my uh, life journey was that at a certain point, I came into that Garden of Eden, and I, I fucking love it. Yeah. It's just uh, you know, yeah. I, I sometimes miss drugs, but it's right. been twenty seven years, and I made a choice that I can't. I, I just can't do it part time. I was only yeah. a full time drug user, and yeah. so at some point I had to go. Okay. It's funny you say, like, right now I'm not doing any ketamine or anything like that to sell my book, but... How's that going? It's fucking, not the selling the book, the, like... It's, it's, it's that, and that's, that's the difference between me and, uh, I guess somebody would say an addict or whatever, like, I, I'll stop, but, man, after Christmas, I'm gonna come home, I already bought a bunch, I'm gonna just, I got, I'm taking days off, and I'm gonna zone out, and then yeah. I'll go back to selling the book again and i'm gathering from your book that ketamine's kind of your, your just, favorite yeah 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 look man like i have a pragmatic way of doing this like most people out here you start off real lightweight you start biking in and you go into the perks and then you know it, it builds up and the next thing you know you're, you're doing dope because it's more cost effective you know <laughs> Um, I never got that crazy into it because I would do vice and shit and then come in hungover, like extra grumpy the next day, sniffling, fucking angry yeah. at the world, and I would suck on the air. And it was self-preservation. I was like, yo, dude, I can't, I can't continue to do radio shows this grumpy, cussing everybody out. Like, no one's <laughs> going to want to listen, so you're going to have to stop doing this because I like paying rent. You know what I mean? Like, that was... that's. So it was like, what works for me? Ketamine ended up working. Like, yeah. ketamine ended up being the one. And I'm, like, compulsive sexually, so right. that that one makes it kind of hard to fuck on. Because <laughs> every time I'll be doing a drug, I'm like, this is awesome. I wonder what coming feels like on this. You know, <laughs> like, that's the next That's the next thing. But, man, you're describing a situation to me that sounds so complex to navigate. Like, why well, just look at it's my... It's fucking nuts. Yeah, it sucks. <laughs> I'm like, uh, I felt a great relief. You know, when I finally rolled into a treatment center, just a big ball of mess, uh, there was this sense for like the first year. It was really difficult for me for the first year, but there was this sense. It was like I was standing on a tarmac with the noise of these giant jet engines in my ear. And it took a year or two for the jet engines to wind down, wind down, wind down, wind down. And eventually it was like, holy shit. This silence is kind of interesting. Not bad. <laughs> not bad for being a little quiet. And I and I'll take it one step further. Probably I'm a guess. Like, look, man, you've been successful out here. So, like, being successful with 
a habit is a bad it's 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 a it's like yeah it's one thing to be a broke drug user yeah. like you can get in a bit of trouble but if you got some money yeah and you got a habit you can get in a lot of fucking trouble yeah yeah i'm really i never experienced that i yeah. was just a street level shit kicker and so i can't relate to that but i can imagine I don't know if I ever would have stopped if I'd that's been able to keep kind of yeah, going. That's what I'm know. screaming, dude. Can you imagine you get a fucking movie? Like, you get a movie, and <sighs> now you're like, oh, and I still like this shit? Yeah, yeah. I, I got... Yeah, no, all the, the good things that happened to me happened really slowly. My, I, I mean, it was really difficult uh, not being fucked up on drugs. My first five years in L.A. were just like, man, I don't know how I'm going to pay the rent next month. Right. I can't get a meeting. I can't get an agent. I can't get a manager. It was really tough. I don't know why I stuck it out. I did. What, yeah. What do you do? Like, what do you tell cats coming out here trying to get on? Like, what? What? What do you tell? Because now, now you're doing it. Now you're. Yeah, but my story is just my story. You know, I'm, I try to be positive to anyone. Like, there's a little Aussie gang here of people who come here and try and make it, and people do good things. You know, Heath Ledger's an example. My my roommate is David Michaud. He's a great guy. He made that film War Machine. Uh, oh, work. I'm friends with that gang of people, Joel, like Joel Edgerton and so on. So there's the Aussies who are doing well. Ain't the dude from the Vikings? He's an Australian cat, right? Oh yeah, Travis Fimmel. I think yeah, yeah. His like, name is. It's, yeah, yeah. Yo, did you notice? Did I've noticed this? I've, American men have become so effeminate that <laughs> if you look at all of the macho fucking, you look at half the macho dudes that the men's men that they go to Australia, they go to Australia and get fucking <laughs> Australian dudes to play men here in America because we've yeah. become they, we've they've neutered us. Yeah, you know what's actually interesting about that is that like these new Aussie young guys, they come out here, they seem brand new, but they've actually done like three or four years of, of like the acting school got a degree and they're like really trained. So it's not just, yeah, maybe there's something, I don't know how Australian men are different to American men. I'm too old to care now, you know? Right, right. But yeah, there's something, there's sometime, there's a, there's some weird way in which uh, the Aussies have, uh, are batting above their, what is it? Punching above Pun, their punch, weight. Yeah. yeah, like per yeah. capita, you guys are crushing. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like per capita, you're crushing out here in America. There's gotta be some, you know, there's some about it. Yeah, I don't know, but I was, you know, my for my those early years, it was literally like you're swimming from Australia to America across the Pacific, and you can't, you look back and you can't see land, and you look forward and you can't see land. You're just swimming and you have no idea where you are in the ocean, and it felt like that for a long time. And then, then bit by bit, things began to change, and um, and slowly things became what they became. All I did was show up and keep show up to my desk and keep working. I couldn't do that consistently when I took too many drugs in all those years. I had to stop using drugs in order to write Candy, which was the book that started me on this path, which became a film. I wrote the screenplay. I used right. that moment of leverage yeah. when I was selling the rights to the book. That was my moment of leverage to say, I'll give you the rights to this book, but you have to let me write the first draft of the screenplay. Because I knew I'd already wasted a decade, my 20s, right? and I had to play catch-ups, and that was a moment. So... That was that was a smart business play. In a way, although you you know you come to America, I came to America ten years ago with this uh, very good but very quite non-commercial dark little Australian drug romance, doomed drug romance. Right. And uh, yeah, people were like, "Cool, you're good, you're talented. That's a good film, but we don't know what to do with that here in Hollywood. That 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 makes no sense to us in any kind of model that we." look at so then i spent the next five years in poverty just trying to scrape a little bit here and a little bit there of work and 
The big news for me and David, my friend and roommate, is that we've sold, we've written we've got this TV show up and running, Catch Twenty Two, that George Clooney's going to direct, and that's all. Everything's suddenly full speed ahead, and that's it's funny how everything's suddenly full speed ahead after fucking yeah. <laughs> fifteen years out in this bitch. You know what I mean? Or however many years, ten yeah. years. Like yeah. it's, it's funny how it's suddenly. Ten years later, a decade, decade later. Yeah, you had a lot of time in the wilderness, didn't you? Like before stuff started to kind of roll into yeah momentum. Man, and- yeah, look, bro. And the other thing, like I knew how I was viewed, man. I know how I know how I'm viewed. Uh, as, as a matter of fact, I just had some motherfuckers over to my crib the other night, and uh, some girls, like you know, some rich girls, and uh, one of them was like, "Doesn't he remind you of Renee?" She's like, "He reminds me of any wigger from the Bay," and I was like, "Wow." <laughs> Like, I know how I'm viewed. I know how they look at me. Right. right. And I don't like that. I Because I think I think it it reduces me to some fucking stereotype. Yeah. And uh, I started writing to escape that. Like, I started writing to escape that. And to kind of, like, it was a bunch of different reasons why you write. I wanted people to read again. Yeah. Like, cats don't read like they used yeah. to. Uh, I, I do the book signings, man. People are like, I haven't bought a book, and this is my first book I bought. You're a good writer, Jude. You know, it's like, and and you do this. Your the, the books, they're, they're really rich and dense and strong and funny. They're also really kind of simple and brutal. But they're, what I love is that they're really fucking warm. And, and, you, and what it seems like in your writing, you're trying to avoid, you're just laying down the facts. But behind all that, there's some really, there's a beautiful kind of, uh, uh, I, I experienced the pain as being very moving. You know At what? the moments in the book where there is pain. I was loved as a child. You know what I mean? Like, my parents were fucked up, but they loved me. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. I know love. Like, I know love. Yeah. I, and, and I have love for humanity, and, I'm, and I, one seeks out love. And I think that was the gift that they gave me. Like, if all of that fucked up shit that happens, like, through all of that, it wasn't because they were like, fuck this kid. You know, yeah, they just didn't, yeah. they were doing the best they could in their situations, and it produced this weirdo. But, like, I never doubted. I never doubted being loved. And I think yeah. when, you're, when you comes are out. loved, you can show love, you yeah, know? Yeah, it comes out really beautifully in the book i love that story i first of all i love the way in the book that the stories swing between the kind of present day fucked up jude and yeah. the, and you go back to these childhood moments whether you're five years old or 15 years old th- those are some really touching stories in there you know and um i love that story i can't remember the title you tell me the title in the restaurant in the diner where uh, you got the your little sister teasing you mercilessly. oh popeye yeah popeye man that's a great story where you <laughs> your little sister's imitating Everything you say, yeah. and so then you think I got her, and you you get the salt shaker and cover the hole with your thumb or finger. Yeah, pretend to shake it in your eye. Yeah, and she of course imitates you and gets uh gets gets her eyeball burned. <laughs> yeah, blew her eye out on that one. That was the. Uh, it's kind of crazy, like um, that 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 one. I I kind of wanted to, you know, it's. You know, you got your weird sibling rivalry. You got the out of you got the fish out of water thing where we, you know, we were a poor family that had no business being in that place. And then, then there's the insecurity of of being poor. And poverty is like it's all relative. You know, we're not. I'm not poor compared to a third world country, but like, yeah. You know, we were on American standards. We were poor, and we were way out of our depths in this restaurant. Right. Like, 
Oh, yeah, no. you feel it. I oh, highly recommend God. to anyone listening. Read it all. Like yeah. Popeye is a particularly beautiful story. And I love that line. You know, you're talking about, yeah, you were loved and the love did something. The love finds its way into this book. I can see that. I can feel it. We're all doing the best we can. But that's a great line in one of the stories where it says, it's just so incidental and it's so funny. It says, a woman passes me pushing a chihuahua in a stroller. I want to hate her, but the G kicks in and my mood lifts. And I'm thinking, we're all out here doing the best we can. That's yeah. I got many favorite lines in the book, but that's one of my favorite moments. We're all out here doing the best we can. My grandmother was, uh, my grandmother, Irish Catholic, fucking, you know, six kids, finally asked the priest, can we please use some birth control? And... <laughs> Once she put the kids, once all the kids went through, got out the house, she went and studied social work and became a therapist. And she, it was really, I was really blessed to be able to have her in my life. You know, uh, she would always say that. It's like people are doing the best they can with the tools that they have. It's like we all, we all are, 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 we're all at different points of evolution on in this world, and we're like, it's like no one's out here like I'm gonna be a fucking dick on purpose. You know what I mean? Like the lady with her fucking pushing the dog around, (laughs) whatever. However the fuck she got there, I was like, yeah, we're yeah, we're in it together. We're doing the best we can. Yeah, it's a beautiful moment. I like your observational. There's an observational dryness, but it's infused with this kind of warmth. Which I really like. It's the thing that I that that kind of cracked my heart open most in reading your book. You know, I loved the brutality of it, the yeah. dark, dark humor. Yeah. It's great. It's brutal. But I also love the fact that there's these little chinks in it. Yeah. About the sort of uh, the shared brokenness of our co- uh, our common humanity and the brokenness that we all participate in. You know, you and I have both written these books that involve addiction because we have experiences with yeah. uh, kind of uh, you know pathologically compulsive substance abuse and so on yeah uh, that's just that just happens to be a place where the brokenness leaks out more you know and it's uh, yeah it's a symptom it's not like you're not yeah. broken because you do drugs you do drugs because you're broken yeah I, I it, it's also just scathingly funny too and uh, I, it, with your permission I just want to read yeah, one of my please. favorite moments in that story um monster where you say uh you meet this uh you meet this girl i I sober up long enough to have dinner with the 22 year old vegan she's telling me about going to usc now they got these things called trigger warnings at her school like if you're about to show some shit with violence or rape in it you got to warn them ahead of time so it doesn't trigger bad feelings or they'll freak out and get traumatized i say they do this for grown-ups she says yeah they war vets or some shit? She says, no. I'm shaking my head. It's come to this? These are my future bosses. No trigger warnings in life, just sharp corners. Shit happens, then you deal with it. I liked it better when we were cowboys and vikings taking people's shit. Now we're allergic to peanuts and a piece of bread will kill you. It's a beautiful moment. It's a, it's Thanks, a hats bro. off moment. I really, I really liked it a lot. Yeah, I think that, that. Yeah, that is, and it's crazy. Like that was written a few years ago, and it's gotten even worse since then. Like it's, it's just gotten even crazier with. Uh. And that is the elite, you know. The USC is the elite of this world. Yeah, that's you know that's the top of the food chain in America. <laughs> right, I don't really know the system here. I, it's I, it's like it's a private school for you know like it's a yeah. private school. It's very it's hard to get into and right, right, it's right. it's an elite school. So like these are these people aren't 
you know, if you play your cards right, they will be my future bosses. And like, this is, <laughs> this is my future boss. This is, the, I got a fucking, and the worst thing about it, like the behind the scenes of that one, she fucking had a, the documentary was like about cutters and dealing with, uh, hmm. you know, it was like called cutters and she needed a trigger warning on the, like the title was the trigger warning. If like, yo dude, it's called cutters. What do you think it's about? Yeah. Yeah. It's about motherfuckers that cut themselves. She still yeah. needed a trigger warning. And you know what? She fucking, she succumbed and did the trigger warning because it's easier to fold sometimes. Yeah, I'm not saying they're not. You know, the, the, the world's going through this huge recalibration right now about some really fucked up behavior. And I, I, I'm not saying that we don't all need to be kind of uh, safe. But yeah, I, I came from that world where there was no safety when you know in it was uh it was more the the world that i described in candy the world that i lived was more kind of dog eat dog well yeah and every man for himself and i think ultimately that's the world we still live in and it's just kind of dressed up and here's the other day like you you're feeling some people need a blanket to feel safe some people need a dog to feel safe some people need like me having to alter my behavior for every person's safety is a bit ridiculous, especially when it's you might not feel safe no matter what. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't want my free. I don't have my freedom be uh, infringed upon for somewhat for a sheltered person's need for safe feeling safe. Yeah. Like we live in a fairly safe society like this is this is pretty low murder rates for for the history of the world. We're doing kind of good For like the history of the world yeah, yeah. calm the fuck down <laughs> but it's weird being an australian or it's weird being anyone who's not an american and seeing the crazy the, the difference the statistical distance in difference in the yeah. murder rates here compared to anywhere else well, yeah we kill like a motherfucker out here yeah. yeah um yeah and you know it's guns and culture you know it's yeah guns and culture yeah, I love this country. People say, people outsiders say, what's it like living in America? I'm like, country's great. It's like the greatest kind of, you know, it's a slightly somewhat failed, broken experiment with democracy, but it's not broken forever, you know? My outsider opinion is that the two, the two weirdest things about America are its relationship with uh, guns and its, uh, and its kind of view that um, any version of uh, what it calls socialized medicine, medicine <laughs> It's like untenable and undoable. It's like, well, that's not true. It works pretty well in most other countries that I've visited. Uh, yeah, then, that one is like weird. Me and my buddies will always kick that idea around. And it's, I'm for whatever. You know, like, you know, like if, if they want to take some of my fucking tax dollars and don't bomb these people as much and yeah. fucking help sick people, like, yeah. hey, that's cool. But like, I think the real problem is, is, there's a lot of bloat there's a lot like there's a lot of bloat in yeah. the medical like the medical field a lot of people yeah. that don't need jobs have jobs yeah, they're like sure. you know so every like, yo it, i just mean at some really basic level 27 years ago i don't i, I don't know how i would have uh, made it into you know my medical treatment was free basically back yeah. then and that was a really good thing for I was an example of someone who was a, a menace to society. <laughs> I went into a detox center and a treatment center and a rehab 
And uh, I was able to survive for that first year before I started turning my attention back to my real life and the question of the future and getting jobs and so on, you know? You know the crazy thing, though? It's like, and this is the system that we work in, like, here in America. And, like, you got to come to terms with it as an American. Like, yeah, maybe there's some free, maybe there's some free shit here and there. But, you know, what's free for you to go to is jail. Like, they'll just send your ass to jail and then they're making money off of you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. what, that's what, that's what. That's what it is. That's the traps you got to look out for. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of pitfalls. There's, there's a lot of opportunity out here. It's wide open, but there's some pitfalls too. So you really got to be, you got to adult yourself through this shit, man. Yeah, it's a, I, I, I love America. I love living here. But it's, uh, it's also a, a hallucinatory experience. It's like, because it's, it seems like Australia. Yeah. You know, I grew up in, I grew up in Australia and... Basically, we were flooded with American culture. All the TV that I was watching as a little kid was all the American stuff. All the comics that I was reading were like the Archie comics and things. So it was that right. weird thing of like, Australia. on the one hand, Australian reality was really different. And yeah. on the other hand, it felt much more like America than England. You know, we have our colonial history. Right. From England, we were basically the convict dumping ground 200 years ago. You I know, know, and Australia won't let me in their fucking country. I'm so annoyed by that. Oh, really? Yeah, because yeah, cause I got some arrests. Uh, oh, that sucks. I it's know. Good. I was like, I want to be like, y'all got, y'all, come on, man. It's like, a good country. I know. <laughs> like, remember your roots. Like, come on. <laughs> but the moment that I really understood, oh, this guy, he's he's the real, he's the real deal. He knows this world was when you talk in the book about it's kind of like the logic of the addict the crazy cracked logic of the addict uh blah 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 i'm thinking if zoloft is an antidepressant then it must make you happy so if one or two makes a depressed person happy then four or five must make a regular person ecstatic i take eight and wash them down with a club soda that's fantastic i yeah. laughed my head off it's yeah man one. oh buddy I, that was a that was a mistake turns out that gives you explosive diarrhea i was <laughs> I was like shitting fucking saliva. It was like I had ran out of poop to shit, and right. it was just straight. It was like I was spitting out of my asshole in a Flint bathroom, right. which is no for any like which is known for shitty water already. So right. it was. So you're doing a book. You're in the middle of like a book tour right now. You're traveling around and yeah. doing uh, doing readings and so on. Yes, yeah, sir. Oh wow. Yeah, I'm doing the readings, and it's really cool, man. Because I'm the people that are buying the book aren't like. You know, the reason why I'm talking to authors like yourself is so that people from the literary world can find out about me. No, they don't oh. they don't know me. Like it's yeah. all my book sales are people that Yeah don't buy books. Yeah, I get that. You should I I uh, you I would wish for some crossover for you, you know? I'm hoping for it. Yeah. Oh, I think this one I think this my second book is has a better chance, it's less sex. <laughs> less sex in this one than the last one Jesus I should read the first one then I got it because there's a lot of sex in this one <laughs> yeah the other one is fucking you know it's also this cover is beautiful man I'm so jealous that is Rare Bird have done the loveliest cover that is a great looking book that that's uh, Sage Vaughn and he he's just a he's a street artist he's an ex-addict too man oh wow he's an ex-addict street artist and um just from Los Angeles self-taught and the the cover is it's a it's a watercolor of a hummingbird and there's no words on it or anything. Yeah, yeah. I I just wanted I wanted I, it's that say what you see, man. You see a hummingbird. That's yeah. the name of the book. Yeah. I want it to be simple. Yeah. And sometimes the way to stick out in a very loud environment is to shut the fuck up. Yeah. And that's what I wanted that cover of that book to be. Yeah, it's strong. It's strong. It's exquisite, and I'm super jealous of how good the cover is. Just of how good the book looks. 
uh, let alone how beautiful the in- insides are. You know who you remind me of? Do you know the Israeli short story writer Edgar Keret? K E R E T. No. You should check him out. He's yeah. he's a fantastic writer. You're like he's like you, or you're like him, or let's put it this way: he's or like similar. you without the um completely sort of fucked up kind of uh, compulsive drug and sex thing. <laughs> but in, just in terms of the beauty of yeah. the stories yeah, yeah. and the simplicity and the and they're like short shorts, yours and his, yeah, yeah. you know. Uh, he, he's an amazing writer. All he writes is short stories. And he's, you know, in a, in a sense, he's where, you, in some ways, he you should be in that place. He's He sells really well to people who aren't regular readers, and he's yeah. super respected at those kind of so-called higher literary levels or whatever yes. the fuck that is. Um, <clears throat> he he spans across, he, he, he bridges the two worlds in a really beautiful way i know him he, he he's also a really beautiful soul his stories just sing with the they're, they're like radiant they're incredibly simple yeah but at the same time they're like radiant they're less broken than yours but your stories are radiant too and i, I like that about them thanks man i appreciate it it's cool to have like someone you respect say like hey man that's, you're, you're okay like it's <laughs> fucking it, it's nice like i think all the, and i and i talk about this it's like ultimately we all want to be accepted yeah by everyone on our own terms you know what i mean you want yeah. to be you want the elite to be like hey yeah that's that's a cool idea that's that's yeah. you're talented um and some either you will or you won't be but like you don't want to have to change who you are for them to like you then it defeats the whole purpose yeah yeah i i agree with that you you need to be you know one should be accepted for who who one is and and uh you're kind of re- uh relentless in your refusal to you know clearly in this book you're not uh smoothing the edges you I know even, what i mean i even put the, the even the, even the book itself is put in a way where the stories are not very likable i'm not i don't yeah. start off as likable no this is true so you the character the narrator whoever what the yeah i show is. And, and i think that's what most uh, you know most people try to lead with their best foot forward and i make it a bit harder on cats you're like oh 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 and then you start to see and then you start to see yeah and you know hopefully 50 pages in you're you're getting it but like yeah yeah, I found there were parts that I found hard, like uh, the, uh, weirdly enough, the drug stuff I was fine with, but it's sort of some of the, the kind of, uh, the the casual, the casually nihilistic kind of sexual stuff, I, I was, and listen, I'm good for, you know, I, 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 I like reading about, I'm, whatever, I'm an open-minded person, but uh, some of it was like, whoa, man. You know what it was, man, I'm from this area where... You were judged at, at like how good you could fight, womanize, athlete. If you're, you know, make money. These were these these are the things that were yeah. celebrated. Yeah. And so much when I when I started feeling good about myself, so much of that was attached to sex. Huh. And it was like this: having sex with a woman for me is one, it's pleasurable, and two, it's a boost. It's like it's an empty boost, but it's an instant boost of like, oh, I feel good about myself for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and that's what what really led me into those things. Yeah, you just it's uh, when you when you're deep in that in some of these stories, it's really chilling. Uh, chilling in a sense that made me really uncomfortable. You know what yeah. I mean? I guess good literature can do that. Can make you really 
uncomfortable. It was uh, it was that kind of push pull love hate thing. Like, whoa, that's kind of dark. Yeah. And yeah, and the character or the you or the you know the 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 attitudes being portrayed in in a sense the in some stories the objectification of women is like really disturbing. Uh, in at, at moments in my reading experience, it was like holy shit. But uh, it's unflinching as well, you know. And I admire yeah. the the consistency of your unflinching kind of fuck you coherent vision of what your of what your book is, even at the same time as I found some of the moments super disturbing and uncomfortable. I've and I guess my in my what what in the way I think about these things is like I'm. I'm usually honest about my I'm pretty honest about my brokenness. I'm pretty like, "Hey man, this is what you can expect from me. This is what it is." And sometimes people enter these things, women enter these things thinking they can change me. Other times they too want to want to have no strings sex and yeah. it's this mutually beneficial relationship that we enter into. I don't necessarily know if it's the most healthy relationship. So it's. So you're not in a, you're not in a kind of a relationship. You're in no any kind of regular relationship. No, nah, man. I no, I haven't been. A, no, I'm like. I, and you really have a daughter. That's as, as yeah. there's a daughter. In oh, everything the, everything in there is true. Huh. Like every last every word is true right, in there. Right. So did yeah. you have that experience? Of uh, the feed, you know, of negative responses from people who see themselves portrayed in stuff that's been published and is out there in the world. The funny thing was the uh, the prostitute that was addicted to heroin and got fat got mad that I said she got fat. Yeah, she was mad about the being called fat. I was like, yo, dude, like you did get fat. <laughs> and right. She wasn't mad about like being strung out on methadone. She was mad about me saying that she had put on weight and was starting to lose money. Wow. Cause, cause, yeah. she, cause when you're in the sex industry, your looks, yeah, you value them more than other things. Yeah. Yeah. Was, I, I, like that was the, that was the blowback I got. That was the one thing I got. Um, nothing else from exes or, um, they won't, they're not talking to me anyway. Oh, I see. Uh, they're they're not talking to me. The names, you know, the the people yeah. that wanted their names changed have been changed. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've had two women that I love in my life, and I just didn't have the tools to have a relationship with them at the time. And uh, neither one of them really talked to me, huh. which is unfortunate because for me to open up is quite hard. Yeah. So uh, to just be totally estranged from them, not even have them, like, in yeah, a I feel peripheral. for you. But, like, I get it, you know? Like, what are you going to do? I feel lucky, the real candy, insofar as there is a real candy that... Uh, 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 are you guys still... Are you relationship guys... was based on... Yeah, we're still... Uh, we're on good terms. We're friends. You know, it took a while. There was a big gap. How long? There was, like, a 10-year gap of no contact after we went our separate ways, after all the disasters. You know, you get to the end, the thing that happens at the end of the movie, at the end of the book. Candy, is that was it for years and years and years. And then when the novel came out, uh, she was kind of uh, pissed off, but she also said, this book is a true... This book is true. It's not true in every single detail. Right. But it's uh, in some kind of 
overarching sense, it's true. Uh, and then the film, you know, jump forward another 10 years and the film was getting made and she had some kind of feelings about that, like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Uh, so then we, so then she read the screenplay and she was like, okay, all right, I can, I can live with this. Then she saw the film and she was like, um, that film is really good. It's beautiful. But you know, the one thing that character in that film, that me character, she's a pussy compared to me. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, yeah, okay. Was she? Fair enough. Yeah, maybe the film... I mean, Abby Cornish plays Candy yeah. in the film and she's kind of magnificent. She is magnificent in it. It's a really strong, beautiful uh, portrayal. But um, my ex, the real Candy, yeah, she... Maybe she was wilder and fiercer than that character in the film. I, I would tend to agree with that. Sometimes wilder and fiercer can't make the make the cut, though. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're suddenly yeah. NC-17 when you're <laughs> wilder and fiercer. Yeah, but uh, but through all that, we're on good terms. Uh, she's made peace with that. There's this Australian TV program called Australian Story. It's like 25 years. It's been going for 25 years. It's really yeah. beloved. It's the most beautiful program. And last year, I wrote Lion. We I was nominated for an Oscar, and so I I invited my mum to the Oscars. My mum had never been to America, so I flew her out here. And so my mum basically thinks that my mum came for the last week before the Oscars, and she thinks that my life is that every afternoon I put on a tuxedo right. and a car arrives, and we go to these red carpet events. What was that like being able to do that for your mother? It was awesome. I was just my, you know, being a junkie for all those years. It was my way of saying, "Mum, here's something concrete to say, thank you for my life, thank you for being there through all those terrible times, and and so on." So anyway, this program says we want yeah. to do a story on you. And I know what that means, you know, They're from from out, heroin yeah. to Hollywood yeah. kind of thing. But it's a really intelligent, beautiful program, and um, and so and it also means they go and they interview every single person from my past, and they and my mom and my dad are in it. My mom was my mom loved being followed around on the red carpet for that week of the Oscars back in February or whenever it was. Yeah. But she hated two months later in Australia when they were like. Um, okay, now we got to sit down and do the serious interview about what was it like being the mother of this, of Luke when he was yeah. all fucked up, you know? And um, and they also interviewed um, uh, Meg, her name's Meg, the real candy, in that uh, in that episode. It, it's actually, it's a two-part episode. And, and, the, and the great thing is how magnificently and strongly she comes out of this show. Yeah. Meg, the real candy. It's, I, I, What's I she doing now? She's a painter. Yeah. She's uh, she had a daughter that and her daughter is like 22, 23 now and her daughter had a daughter. So she's a grandmother now. Hell it's incredible. Nah, but she like uh lives uh, outside of Melbourne and she paints beautiful paintings and um she's got a nice life now, you know. She's made peace with her life and uh, all that stuff for her too is a long time in the past. Plus she's really proud of Candy. She knows in some weird way she's this kind of she was a muse. iconic figure. A yeah. muse, yeah. 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 What do you like? What do you like writing better? Do you prefer movies, television, books? What do you oh, prefer? God. You know, the thing I more than anything, what's important to me is I'm a poet. But that's yeah. like nobody reads poetry. But yeah, I've had a number of poet, books of poetry published. I've got two novels sitting there, kind of stalled, because finally in these last few years, I've just been going with this momentum of this film stuff, man. It's like I need. Fuck yeah. It's like I want to make some money. I'd love to own a place. I don't know where here, Sydney. I, right. I have no idea where. Uh, and suddenly all these, after the years of struggle, all these beautiful things have been happening. Lion has just 
turned into all these other things. I, I wrote the, I've written this Western for Tom Hanks, um, which I just uh, delivered last week. And now this Catch-22 thing is happening with George Clooney's six-part TV series. It's fucking awesome. I am going with the flow. I am embracing it. I'm, I'm just trying to go, okay, I accept this. It's fun. It's a it's a mad ride, and it's, I'm in it. So it's Catch Twenty Two based on a book, or is that? Yeah, the Joseph Heller novel. Oh it's, no, uh, shit. Yeah, yeah. We, it's fucking crazy. This has all been happening literally. You know, if we were doing this interview in two weeks' time, I'd have more. Uh, we, there'd be more solid information about when we're shooting and so. Tell on. me about the western. I fucking love westerns. Oh man, it's a it's an adaptation of a beautiful novel. Came out last year called News of the World by okay. Paulette Giles. She's a Texan poet. Yeah. And uh, it, was, it was like on the New York Times bestseller list like yeah. late last year and early this year. And it's an incredibly beautiful story about this, uh, this, this man, this old man. Uh, he gets this job. It's 1870 in Texas. And he gets the job of transporting this 10-year-old girl across Texas to her yeah. nearest living relatives. She was taken by the Kiowa Indians when she was four years old. Okay. Six years earlier, they killed her whole family and the whole wagon train. And they didn't kill her. So now she's 10 years old. She's lost her English. She's fully Kiowa. Right. She's this fierce little bundle of anger. The Kiowa have delivered her back to the, to the white folk because they realize having a little white girl brings the heat on them from the cavalry. Right. And the, and the captain, his name is, the, the Tom Hanks character, presumably, touch wood, fingers crossed, um, he, he gets this job. So it's like a road movie, western, odd couple, buddy movie and it's kind of a movie about a... It's a great, simple movie about what's the difference between your social duty and your moral duty. Because he, he does the job. That's his yeah. social contract. He, he, with all these dangers and near misses, he transports the little girl across Texas. But when he gets there, he realizes that this situation is really... The, the, is not a good situation. So then the question is, what, what do you do what then? What do you do? Yeah, it's a great story. I'm very excited about it. But yeah, it's called News of the World. Well, I can't wait to. I can't wait. I, I, I feel like if they make one dope western and one dope gangster flick every other year, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just stoked. Like that's all I need. Yeah, that's all I fucking need. You got some favorite films? Uh, I really um, recent recent films. Uh, a Prophet is one I really oh like. My a God, Prophet, that's a great film. It's magnificent. Yeah, it's uh, it's a prison, it's a prison flick where he uh, the, he's like Algerian and French, and he's got to yeah. play both sides, and, and it's yeah. kind of it is kind of poetic, and yeah. it, like it's uh, it's surreal and realistic at the same time. Really, uh, I'm with you there, man. That's one of my favorite films of the last five years. Yeah, or whatever it is. That's that was kind of my deal, and then you know like. Uh, you know, just gangster shit, kung fu, uh, uh, like casino. Fuck, you know, yeah. I, I love casino. Uh, you love like, casino more than Goodfellas. You know what I like about casino? No one's likable. <laughs> yeah. Nobody is likable oh, in that fucking movie. Everyone yeah. is fucking like. Yeah. He got me to watch a movie that's two and a half hours long, and nobody is fucking likable. Yeah. Like the fucking leads a chump. His yeah. girl's a fucking just. Yeah ruthless Pesci's a dickhead like <laughs> nobody is likable yeah I'm like fuck yeah, yeah that's a great movie I, I think that's really hard to do it's hard so. and, and and you see a lot of times with these with these anti-hero films where like Rachel getting married I fucking hated it it was just I had to watch some selfish junkie fucking ruin a fucking wedding I never you know? saw it <laughs> it was it was like a, it was like a shoot yourself in the face movie like oh great you know like so, so some of these films where they tried to do the anti-hero it doesn't work and I really thought that 
And you know what else I love is fucking kung fu hustle, man. I like. Right. It's like who I never would have thought to marry fucking Looney Tunes with yeah. kung fu. I just think it's I think it's an interesting yeah. way. I th- I thought that I thought it was a very pr- uh, creatively progressive way to do yeah, something. Yeah, it's a good film. What about you? But oh man, I mean the the big grand ones that I love. You know, two thousand and one, A Space Odyssey. The Shining, uh, Path of Glory. God, there's three Kubrick films. Maybe my favorite like film ever in the world. Yeah. It's more of an emotional favorite because when I was 16 years old, it blew my mind and changed my life. Was this uh, film, Agira, The Wrath of God, by, by Werner Herzog, you know? It stars yeah, yeah. Klaus Kinski. It's shot in the a- Amazon jungle in in 1970 or 71, I think it came out. Um, it's a beautiful film about a madman trying to find uh, the lost, the fabled land of El Dorado and... Klaus Kinski's completely crazy, yeah. batshit crazy, and um, but you know, I don't know. Really love Breaking the Waves in recent years. Yeah, movies like A Prophet. Uh, there, there, there are so much, so so many that I love. I part of the way I survived for the early years in Los Angeles was I was writing the film reviews for this magazine back in Australia. This monthly yeah. magazine called the Monthly. For a lot of the last ten years, I did that. It was like my backup, pay the rent kind of money when times were really tough. I at least had that to fall back on, and they gave me a lot of freedom. I could choose. I could just write a review of sort of whatever film I could manage to get that was coming out at the right time in Australia. Right. The release date had to work, but then they within that they gave me freedom. I love the way you. I love the ease with which you seed all this kind of your the pop cultural kind of references into into Hummingbird film and. I love that cruel that moment, man. I just find it's like uh, the thing about Green Day. It's so cruel and so hilarious. Uh, in a story called Brain Games, oh, you're, yeah. you're talking to some woman. The only conversation I remember us having is her trying to sell me on Green Day's American Idiot album. She hits a joint and puts it on. The lead dude's vocals sound like he used to get his lunch money, took at school, then go home and get fucked by his uncle. <laughs> I'm staring at the stereo. I look up. Is he always this whiny? She got her, she's got her eyes closed, humming along. Shh, just listen to the lyrics. I sit quiet for like 30 seconds, thinking about what I'm going to do tomorrow. I say, well, I like that. Hope you have the time of your life, shit. They, shit, they do, so, you know. I get up and go to my room. She stays and finishes the CD. I can hear it through the wall. I, I love that moment, too. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan, basically. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. It was, it's, yeah, it's... I'm looking at the book and you got like notes. You're clearly fucking Yeah, there's a whole lot of stuff I loved. Man, thank you. Uh and I can't wait to dig into your book. And the stuff I did read of it was fucking awesome. And it's great just to be able to sit here and shoot the breeze, chew the fat. I got to tell man, when people write what they know, it's awesome. And like when I was reading your shit, I was like, okay. Like you know hmm. The artists that resonate with me come from they they create from a place of pain a lot of times. Yeah. Um. Uh. And I I respond to that. Um. Because you're processing something. There's soul in that. There's yeah. fucking. There's something I can hold on to. Yeah. Uh. And I I I caught that in candy. Huh. Thanks, man. Thanks. Well, it, it's the truth because I'm sitting across from you and it wasn't easy. You know what yeah. I mean? Like it was. Yeah. You had to fucking go somewhere to straighten out. Yeah. Like yeah. that's not you're not that's not a game. This isn't like mom sending you to rehab for weed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like this is some yeah. real shit. No, it's that weird thing. Reading your book, I had that bizarre sense of identification where I thought 
This guy and me are both examples of people who kind of shouldn't be here. The luck of the draw should have had it that one of these various catastrophic decisions that we made through these these long periods of our life would have ended in disaster and death. <laughs> yeah. There are so many times I should have, could have, would have died, and somehow I didn't. And uh, It's like life is delicate and resilient at the same time, yeah, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. You might you might get some fluke accident, you trip and fall, break it, you're done. And then you got other guys that just like yeah. you know, I got I got I got junkie homies back home. It's like they're fucking indestructible. You know, huh. they're you know, they're doing dope and cleaning asbestos. Like it's Jesus. like yeah, it's crazy. Wow. It's nuts. Yeah. Um and they'll live for fucking ever when somebody else, you know, might literally sleep weird and die like it's that's the thing about this life it's it's both delicate and we are resilient yeah and i guess the life of the addict is that for some reason you sail closer to you know it's like the shadow of death is is there closer uh i i i'm just glad for myself that i put some distance between me and that shadow you know i want to be in the guinness book of records as the oldest person on the planet i want to be like 140 years old now i figure i've managed to have other ambitions in my life and they've somehow come true all i gotta do is keep staying alive as one day at a time everyone drops away and i'm gonna be in the guinness book of records one day science bro and yo dude like (laughs) my fucking you know i try to hang out with like computer tech motherfuckers and like people that are smart in different ways and all my, I got a group of computer tech dudes that are doing like the fucking stem cell shit. Oh, wow. Where you go to Vegas, they pull your blood, they spin that shit, and then they fucking shoot you back like oh, to yeah. keep you young sauce, bro. Yeah, yeah. Once got- you start balling out, once once you get a couple of those fucking, <laughs> once you start getting them residuals and shit like that, go 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 shoot yourself up with some of that fucking stem cell shit. You're I haven't gone down. In no time. <laughs> I haven't gone down that path yet. Well, the only path I've been going down is like grim determination. Like I'm gonna just keep staying alive. Are you like a vegetarian or anything or no? No, man. I mean, I'm kind of healthy. You know, I exercise. <laughs> I try to eat well. Yeah. I, um, I yeah. I noticed that one of the differences between your book and mine is that mine's more syringe obsessed and you when you when it comes up in your book it's like like there's that hilarious uh scene in that story called uh big shot yeah. where you say i'm looking at the numbers on the side of the syringe trying to figure out if they're milligrams or what they don't put no letters on this shit at all the numbers on the side go from zero to a hundred i fill it to 50 50 what i don't know I just figure it's a good compromise. I stick it in my leg and I'm thinking, this is how motherfuckers kill themselves because 20 years ago they didn't pay attention in science class. It's the fucking truth. <laughs> I literally was thinking that. Like, god damn, I'm fucking die because I was a shitty student. Yeah, there's two. You haven't got to it yet because yeah. you haven't read enough of Candy, but there's two two chapters called Problems with Detachable Heads, Parts 1 and 2, where there's some sort of sort of hilarious kind of syringe comedy that goes on. I won't spoil the fun by. I can't wait to read it, man. Uh, I can't wait to read it. And you, we, you got another book out that we didn't even speak on. Like, tell everybody, uh, tell everybody everything. That's with, that's the publisher we share. That's kind of why we're together today. Rare Bird Books published my novel, God of Speed. Yeah, it's about Howard Hughes. It's that thing, you know. You, you say, 
write about what you know. I mean, the thing that interested me about Howard Hughes, in a sense, was that uh, despite, for all his madness, what he essentially was, was a drug addict. And um, that fascinated me. And so I went deep, deep into his kind of mind, his kind of life. And uh, God of Speed came out a couple of years ago. I'm uh, I'm very proud of it. It's weirdly resonant right now because Howard Hughes was like the original Hollywood predator. His his behavior, like his kind of misuse of his power, yeah. was extraordinary, and his power was immense. And his kind of compulsive sexual behavior before before he went so batshit crazy and addicted to drugs and germophobic that he could no longer have sex yeah. for like the last thirty years. But the first thirty was <clears throat> out of control and super ugly. Yeah, you know, he he was kind of like the model for some of this. Uh, uh, predatory, rapey kind of stuff that's go- that's suddenly erupting everywhere, all mm. around us in the zeitgeist, and not just in Hollywood, but in the world of men and their power relations to women and their abuse of that power and so on. That stuff about Howard Hughes fascinated me. Um, he was desperately unhappy, and he had enough power to uh, behave in really kind of vile, off-color, predatory ways. And it was part of his um, deep sickness, which was uh, sort of a reflection of the like the sick world that was coming into being in the fifties and sixties and into the seventies. He he died in the early seventies, so that fascinated me, and that's the world that I explored in that in uh, in God of Speed. Well, I can't wait to check that out. I'm I'm reading Candy first though. Okay, read Candy first. Yeah, I, mean, I wrote it first, so you yeah, should read it first. In that order. <laughs> All right, we're done. This I'm gonna is, go this... backwards in your case and read uh, Hyena. I know, yo, dude. I'm Jesus, bro. I'm telling you, man. If uh, if if th- th- those sexual things bummed you out, it's gonna get even worse, bro. <laughs> like it's fuck. This is yeah. That's it's yeah. It's even fucking grimier. <laughs> the, grimier. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah, I look even to grimier. grimier. And don't forget, read Edgar Carrot K E R E T. He's a really beautiful writer. I think you will. Relate uh, to him greatly. Our people, I, you know me. Like I, most of the shit I, I read is like medieval fantasy and westerns, man. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I love Larry McMurtry. And ah. Old Elmore Leonard, and then just whatever old medieval fantasies wow. uh, out there. Huh. So. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Luke Davies, Jude Angelini. We out this bitch.